This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. When people make a list of the seven wonders of the world, they do not mention the 23rd Psalm. When they mention the great works of literature, they sometimes leave out the 23rd Psalm. But this omission is more of a reflection against those who compile the lists rather than is a judgment against the beauty of this Psalm. Surely this 23rd Psalm is the pearl of the entire book of Psalms. This Psalm is usually the first one that a child learns. It is the one he repeats most often as he's growing up. It's the one he remembers the longest. And this is the one which is often on the lips of people in the last moments of life. And then when this life is over, this Psalm is the one that's most often requested by loved ones who are left behind to give comfort and to give encouragement in times of sorrow. The 23rd Psalm is more than 3,000 years old, and yet it is so new, so colorful, so adapted to our every need that it could well have come from the hand of God just this morning. There are six verses in this Psalm. Someone has described this as sort of an outline of these six verses. Verse one tells of a person. Verse two tells of a provision. Verse three, tells of a pathway. Verse 4 tells of a peril. Verse 5 tells of a preparation. And the last verse, 6, tells of a promise. And so here in these six words, all starting with the letter P, you have the outline of the message for this morning. So let's look together now at this beautiful 23rd Psalm and see again what these verses tell us. First, person. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want us this morning to underscore the word my. The psalmist does not say the Lord is the shepherd, although he is the shepherd of this flock. He does not say he's one of the shepherds, or also there were many shepherds in in Bible days who grazed their sheep. This psalm says the Lord is my shepherd. It's a personal pronoun. He calls his sheep by name. He knows us individually. One of our seminary professors tells of riding one day through the hill country of Scotland. This professor and his guide passed by and saw literally thousands of sheep everywhere on the hillside. The professor's guide said to him, you know, every one of these sheep has a name. The professor replied, oh, that's ridiculous. There could not possibly be enough names to go around with all those sheep. As they drove farther on, they encountered a shepherd. And the guide said to the shepherd, I've got an American professor here who does not believe that your sheep are all named. And then the shepherd asked the the professor to pick out one sheep. So he did. He found a sheep that was way off on the hillside by himself. And he pointed to that and the professor said, there, that one way over yonder. The shepherd called a name that sheep lifted up his head and came trotting over to the shepherd. The professor said, wouldn't you know with all those hundreds of sheep, I would have to select that man's pet sheep. 
<laughs> so the shepherd said, all right, pick another one. And so he did. This time he selected one right in the middle of this flock. Shepherd called him. He came also as the first did. Then the shepherd explained that this was not strange at all because he lived with his sheep all the time. You and I are not blades of grass or bits of dust in the universe. We are important to God. And if you had been the only sinner who ever lived, Jesus Christ would have come and died for you. Yes, it is that personal. A great teacher once took his five-year-old daughter on his knee and began to teach her this 23rd Psalm. He began by saying, Now, honey, I want you to repeat after me, if you will. The Lord is my shepherd. She looked up with eyes of childlike trust at her dad, and he said, she said, The Lord is your shepherd. <laughs> no, no, he said, I, I want you to say, The Lord is my shepherd. And a voice which showed that she was hurt. The little girl replied, That's what I said. The Lord is your shepherd. Then this father sat down on the floor with his daughter and began to explain to her that the Lord is a shepherd even of a small child and that each one of us is important to our Heavenly Father. When we know Jesus loves each of us individually, it makes all the difference. The song that little children so often sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Second, the word provision. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. One of the strange things about sheep is the fact that it's almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless they are free from all fear. It is not generally known that sheep are so timid, easily panicked, that even a stray jackrabbit, which jumps suddenly from behind a bush, can stampede a whole flock of sheep. When one startled sheep runs in fright, a dozen others may run with it in blind fear, not waiting to see what it is that has frightened them. One modern-day shepherd, Philip Keller, writes about what fear can do to a sheep. My female sheep ewes, heavy and lamb, when chased by dogs or other predators, will sometimes slip their unborn lambs and lose them in abortions. A shepherd's loss from such experience can be appalling. One morning at dawn, I found nine of my choicest lambs, all soon to, to have babies, lying dead in the field where a cougar had worried the flock during the night. In the course of time, I came to realize that nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. This applied day and night. He maketh me to lie down. David wrote in the fourth Psalm, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, makest me dwell in safety. Psalm 4, verse 8. We all live a most uncertain life. Any hour can bring disaster, danger, or even distress. Life is full of hazards. For we know not what a day may bring forth, the scripture says. 
We live either in a sense of anxiety and fear, or we live in a sense of quiet rest with joy and peace. When the Lord is our shepherd, then we can lie down and rest because we are near to him. The hymn says, There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. The third verse, the third word, pathway. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. On a plaque in Lake Wales, Florida, Box, uh, Florida Bach Tower, you can read these words. I come here to find myself. It is so easy to get lost in the world. This is true. We come to the forks of life's road and we cannot decide which way to turn sometimes. There are decisions we have to make and it's so hard to decide. We do get lost. We need guidance. And David declares, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Now, these paths of righteousness are not always the easiest paths. Again, we sing, Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, Sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, By water still or troubled sea. Through it all, we can see God's hand of guidance that leadeth me. No doubt David remembered his own experiences as a shepherd. He knew that a sheep has no sense of direction. A dog or a cat or a horse, if lost, can find their way back home. They have some kind of inner compass within themselves, a homing instinct. Not so with a sheep. A sheep has to be led. What greater source of joy is there than to know that God will take us by the hand and lead us? Look at the fourth word, fourth verse. The word is peril. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. A little boy once said to the preacher, Is God all-powerful? Can he do anything? The preacher said, Oh, yes, son, God can do anything. The little boy replied, Oh, no, he can't. I know something God cannot do. Well, what's that? asked the preacher. The little boy said, God cannot make two mountains without making a valley in between. I think that's right. We cannot have the mountain peak experiences of life without some valleys in between. The valleys are real, but they need hold no fear for the one who has the good shepherd to guide even through the valleys. How wonderful it is to know that we have a shepherd who wants to guide and who's willing to guide us. Dr. Clovis Chapel, the Methodist preacher, tells about visiting a lady who was dying, a member of his congregation. When he walked in, the children said to him, Preacher, we don't think she will recognize you. She's not even aware that you're present in the room here. She's in a coma. But Preacher, you can try if you want to. Dr. Chapel said that she seemed absolutely lifeless, but he put his mouth right next to her ear, and he began saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, I went on with the rest of this psalm, and I watched her face. And when I came to the words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. When I said those words, there was a little twitch 
and her eyelids. Her lips broke into a smile and her head barely nodded. The preacher said, I knew that she had gone beyond hearing the voices of the family. She was not hearing my voice. She was hearing the voice of the good shepherd calling her from beyond. I'm going with you. And she responded. She walked through the valley to the light on the other side. Yes, the valleys may be dark and deep, but God watches over us even in those times in our lives when we may not feel his presence. The fifth word is the word preparation. Thou anointest my head with oil. For the sheep herder, summertime is fly time, insect time. Sheep are especially troubled by the nose fly or nasal fly it's called. These little flies buzz about the sheep's head trying to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. And if they're successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. These work their way up into the nasal passage in the sheep's head and they burrow into the flesh and set up an intense irritation and infection. For relief from this condition, the sheep will deliberately beat their heads against trees and rocks or posts or bushes. They'll rub their heads in the ground. And in extreme cases of infestation, a sheep may even kill itself in an attempt to get relief from the aggravation. Often advanced stages of infection from nasal flies will lead to blindness of the sheep. But the wise shepherd watches his flock very carefully. And at the first signs of nasal flies, he will take steps to prevent his sheep from becoming infected. One shepherd said that he always used a homemade remedy of linseed oil, sulfur, and tar, which he smeared over the sheep's nose as a protection against these nasal flies. Oh, what a difference this would make in the life of the sheep. Once that oil had been applied to the sheep's head, there was an immediate change in behavior. No more aggravation, frenzy, uh, irritability, restlessness. Sheep would be at peace. Oh, how like human beings. We too need an anointing of the oil of God's gracious spirit to give us peace. Only one application of that oil and sulfur and tar was not enough though for the entire summer. The process had to be repeated regularly. We also need a daily anointing of God's Spirit to help us react to aggravations and annoyances with quietness and calmness. Don't we all come to those experiences when we need to open our hearts to God and pray, Lord, I cannot cope with my problems, these petty annoyances, these things that would drive me insane. Oh God, please apply the oil of your Holy Spirit to my mind. Yes, thou anointest my head with oil. God has the remedy for whatever problem we bring to him. And finally, the last word in verse 6, the word is promise. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Dr. Wayne Dehoney tells about an old Scotchman who lay dying after a long illness. The English nurse said to him, can I sing a song to you? He said, yes, but not a song. 
We Scotch Presbyterians don't sing songs. We sing only the Psalms. She said, yes, I know the Psalms and I know your tunes. What shall I sing? The old man said, sing me the 23rd Psalm. It never runs dry. And so very slowly and deliberately, melodically, she began singing the 23rd Psalm. He did not join in the singing, but he kept time with his hand and nodded his head, his eyes fixed far away. And when she finished, he said, Thank you, Lassie. Sing again for me that last phrase. And so she sang, In God's house forever I shall dwell. Ah, he said, what a promise. Lassie, I tell you something I've never told before. I did not sing with you as you sang that psalm, though I knew it by heart. You see, my wife and I were married for many years, and every night we sang the psalms together. She would take the air, the tune, and I would take the bass, and we sang through them many times in our lifetime. She was taken from me ten years ago. The night before she died, we sang it together, the 23rd Psalm, and I have never sung it since. And I did not sing it with you, for I'm waiting to sing it with her anew on the other side, to sing it with her in that land where there'll be no more parting and no night forevermore. This is a provision that God has made for us through Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd. Life abundant here on this earth and life eternally hereafter. Have you claimed your reward through Jesus Christ? Have you let him come into your heart? Is he your Good Shepherd? He can be today, right now, if you'll let him. Father, thank you for offering us the promise that we have in this beautiful psalm, multiple promises.